This is the 52nd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts Robin Sensen and Christopher Wikström. All of us are very happy to have you here, dearest listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello friends, I hope you're ready for some sweet legacy talk. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech app. As this episode is transferred into your beautiful mind through any of your podcast machine of choice, you are hopefully packing for Tier 1 Con or are on your way there already. Of course, we know that far from everyone has the opportunity, the time or the finances to make a magic related journey like that. But I, a person who often lacks time, like to think that you are on this journey in spirit, even if you are not with us physically. So in this week's episode, we will do the usual weekly report. And after that, discuss what decks to consider for J1Con and what we expect the metagame to be. So first, paper play report. Robin, I think that you for, uh, I think only the second time, will have nothing to report. Is this true? That is true. I have not been able to play in a while. And hopefully we'll get some games in this week to prepare for a tier one con yeah you will have a sort of a gathering uh, even in your house to have a boot camp prep isn't that so oh yes i might have seen something about the barbecue or am i uh, is this wishful thinking that is correct as well Oof, baby what about you christopher well i got in uh, some short games with uh, another co-host here boot camping making him fit for uh, tier one con so uh yeah we can get into that a bit victor uh, we were playing some blue red delver and uh, reanimator we were that was a, a matchup victor specifically asked for um, so we played on on midsummer's eve so uh, victor why did you want to play against blue red delver well, I mean, we'll get back to, to why one needs to play against Blue Delver if one is to go to any sort of tournament uh, later in this podcast. But I wanted to test specifically Black Red Reanimator against the current iteration of Blue Red Delver because it's not in my, hasn't been in my testing system. And I need the reps in order to be able to make a good deck choice, essentially. Yeah. Well, that makes uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think from our games, it doesn't feel impossible for Reanimator to overcome this uh, beast of a tier one deck. When Victor and I was trying this matchup out, I got the, the feeling that uh, the game one is supposed to be very rough for Delver uh, as most legacy decks uh, against Reanimator. Yes. We played six games in total. And both pre-boarded games, because we played two of those, went to shit <laughs> for me on the Delver side. It was just, you know, you're playing four days and four forces, and that's kind of like what you're banking on. Like a turn one grief into reanimation, or just going for it and hoping that I don't have one of the four forces in game one. It's extremely nerve-wracking to play against. And this version of Black Red Reanimator that people play these days seems to be pretty unanimous that you go for the full playset of both Unmask and Thoughtseize and a couple of griefs on top of that so you get essentially in game one a lot of information on what your opponent is doing with those initial turn one hands you have a lot of ways to to see if the coast is clear and if needs be with grief you can always reanimate grief yeah which is uh, also pretty mean and a lot of it, like especially against like a blue red delver Bolt might get it off the table, but it's a ran it's a reanimator deck, so it can just get in there again and like just 
keep you off frets if that's the game that you're playing. So yeah, the the pre-boarded games went really poorly. Like the reanimator, like Victor just, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff. And I was just sitting there like, you have a grizzle brand. Okay, you have a grizzle brand game too again. Sure. But then at the sideboard, it got a bit more hard for Victor to pull through with his shenanigans. And uh, that was mainly due to the list that I was playing was a real mirror killer. So I played Mirror Killer Delver with uh, two unlicensed hearse in the sideboard, one Graph Digger's Cage, one Surgical, two Flusterstorm, and two Counterbalance. So this was really, you know, something I think would be really strong in the mirror if you want to beat up on your opponent's uh, Delver plans then both Unlicensed Hearse and Counterbalance can just be too much. But those cards are pretty good against Reanimator as well, weren't they, Victor? Yeah, especially the Hearse. Uh, I was surprised at uh, exactly how good it was, because with the Hearse in, in play, it's, I wouldn't say impossible, but it's super difficult to claw back, because if I need to waste resources on the Hearse, you can just rebuild your counter magic uh, with the resources that I'm leaving you with. But the hearse must go. The counterbalance, I think, was less of a problem than, again, like when you had, when you set up counterbalance, you're already so far ahead if a game comes to a point where you get to set up counterbalance and sort of get that uh, Dragon Rage channeler cantrip value sort of multi-engine going. If it has come to that, I have probably already not won the game. Yeah, for, for me, it feels like another jam on turn two where you can hit right, right. zero ones and twos quite frequently and if you hit one of those your combo turn is over so uh, even if you just hit a lotus petal that might be enough hit a one drop like a dark ritual or entomb it's just a card disadvantage that you can't really afford against delver yep. so i feel like it's uh, having uh, getting one hit will get you to untap and then it's over i feel like yeah. I mean, yeah, like the one game that I won post-board, sort of reanimated worked well, as it did, on the play as well. And uh, winning with Archon, rather than Grizzled Brand, just sort of, you had a Dragon Rage channel, I think, in play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just went for the Archon, and it's impossible, I think, for Blue Red Devil to recover from that, resolving. Yeah, like, I have um, two Brazen Borrowers in the main, but, like... Uh you you get to dis- like kill my creature you draw a card i discard a card and you know i lose any tempo which you can't even have any like you can't race an archon with any deck pretty much like uh, <laughs> if you have a marit maybe <laughs> but it's uh, it's extremely tricky so yeah it was it was super interesting and you know since the game 1 felt close to impossible it's not impossible but it felt extremely hard and uh, when you won the the sideboarded game on the play, it also felt like you're just under such pressure early on. So I, I'm definitely hopeful. I think it can be a good deck for the tournament coming up. I also like the little bit slower reanimator decks that is running around. You were talking about eight discard, or maybe even more than eight discard, yep, and uh, not the chancellors anymore. So it's I really like that in in this meta against uh, Delver decks and uh, like Jeska control decks and all of that. You don't necessarily need to be a turn one deck, but you can be a really consistent turn 
two deck instead. Yeah, but also pu- putting the chancellors in the sideboard, you can also become that turn one deck that you used to be if you sort of if you so choose. Because <laughs> I think currently uh, the chancellors are so lackluster in some matchups, even on the play sometimes, because sort of in some matchups they just don't do anything because the opponent doesn't have specifically counter magic and in other matchups while they would be doing something the opponent simply has so much mana to sort of in quotation marks waste that the chancellor doesn't really have a point and always the chancellor has always felt like such a bad reanimated target compared to what else you have in the deck and just replacing that with a couple of more archons just feels it makes your faithless lootings just so much better and your sort of target self unmasks etc etc so uh, yeah i really like this version as well Another version I also do like is the uh, the show and tell sideboard plan, which is of course uh, a bit of a different story. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a definitely a big fan of uh, of the chancellors in the sideboard. I haven't seen that too many times. So when I first, I think Victor was the one who told me that. Oh, I'm I'm uh, playing the full playset in the sideboard. If you look at the meta, the decks trying to beat Delver the hardest now, in my opinion, are non-blue. So if people are going to tier one con or a big tournament expecting to beat Delver with death and taxes and, uh, you know, uh, Stompy and stuff like that, like Victor said, those chancellors aren't going to feel so powerful anyways. But post sideboard, if you are up against a a combo uh, or if you're up against a a control player, they they just make and break the matchup. Speaking of tournaments coming up, Tier 1 Con is upon us. And I will have to say firstly for me, this is personally a very great thing as this will be my first international magic event ever where Legacy is the main attraction. I am looking forward to that immensely. Then of course Legacy isn't the only main attraction of Tier 1 Con, it has about five or six main attractions but anyone who knows anything about things knows that of course the legacy 5k is the main attraction of this event i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna sort of pretend modern players don't exist right now because that makes me happy they don't in this podcast (laughs) christopher you have had some bad luck we're gonna get that out of the way first please tell us uh, about that yeah so uh, i have to cancel my plans of going to terwonkan which is unfortunate i had uh I I bought my ticket and uh, train ticket and everything, uh, no refundable. <laughs> but I have some private family issues that I'm gonna prioritize, and hopefully, like things are going great. But I think I have to skip this one tournament, which is fine because uh, I'll just get hungrier for the next one instead. But uh, yeah, you two are going. And uh, I have a sense of what you might be playing. And people who tune into the cast might have an idea of what spells you might cast. And uh, does your ideas of the metagame that we're going to experience at Terwankan, has that changed anything? Or are you still sticking with your guns? Robin? I am sticking with my guns. I had a great experience playing at Gothcon. I tested both lands and eight casts. And let's say that one deck felt like a much better tournament deck for me than the other. And I'm going to, like, I know this deck 
is it has like this uh, target on its forehead <laughs> like uh, everybody is gunning for it in the sideboard and uh, so it, it's a bit hit or miss choice to bring to a big tournament but like when it's doing its thing it's really powerful it can win games quite fast uh, you got a lot of time for recovery and I think I have played this deck enough to feel comfortable bringing it to the tournament and uh, I, I'm just going to try to beat the hate cards basically that's how I'm going to tune it I think I'm going to take a few of the less likely matchups and just erase the sideboard cards for that matchup and just like concentrate the whole sideboard of winning game two and game three against the hate cards that's what I'm going to do yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so um, I, I'm I'm super hyped about testing uh, this out I'm actually think I'm going going a little bit back to the to the weird sideboard configuration that I had in in Gothenburg at Gotcon where I like the night before swapped in three extra counter magic instead of lock pieces and they like they were really good all, all tournament long so I, I think I'm going back to that plan and uh, trying to plow through the hate cards from the opponents yeah I think it makes a lot of sense especially if you're scared for those uh, haymaker sideboard cards to have uh, metallic rebukes or stuff like that to just no, you know, Metallic Rebuke is such a such a nice card, considering that you can cast it pretty much for one blue to have a mana leak, yeah. which, you know, can counter anything weird from a Stony Silence, which, uh, you know, Flusterstorm might not get, to uh, actual countering Meltdown or Seeds of Innocence. I think that's really good. Um, Victor, would you like to talk about your process? I'm going back and forth in this process between two decks that share the similarity of... Uh, doing um, big things. <laughs> so first is, of course, Reanimator. We talked about that. And the other one is Cloudpost, which also is a very much big, big deck. Of course, then what would speak against Cloudpost is you can expect a high prevalence of Delver because of sort of the obvious best deck. But also, as we said, when we had uh, Albert Lindblom on this podcast a couple of episodes ago, we should be able to expect quite a bit of lands just because people in, in this part of the legacy world enjoy playing lands and bringing a let's say sensitive deck <laughs> against these uh, archetypes to determine like this might be a choice that will lead me down the road of some disappointment but then again i mean uh, if we look at uh, sort of i was gathering uh, some some recent uh, bigger results from this past weekend in the legacy challenge on, on 25th june cloudpost made top eight for example it's not a deck that's currently completely unviable in, in, in the current metagame. It is still a very powerful deck that can do really powerful things, which is also the magic that I like to play. I like to play big, powerful things. So I'm, I'm going to lean into that no matter what. But then again, as my heart is closer to Satan than to the forest gods, I am partial to Black Red Reanimator, of course. Yeah. And I think also if, you're, if your stomach is saying that Delver and Lance will be prevalent, then expecting something like Stompy to be a good deck as well is maybe not all, like, might not be the funniest thing to face either as a Cloudpost deck. And for me, like, when I'm, when I'm thinking about these deck choices in front of bigger tournaments, I'm trying to think, 
if I would have a complete disaster weekend, what deck would I have the most fun with? And I think Reanimator is the pick for me there, because even if, imagine everything going as poorly as possible, you're at least going to get someone really hard with Reanimator one turn. But if everything goes badly with Cloudpost, man, that's just a, a rough weekend in Denmark. No, that's very true. <laughs> I love it how you said Denmark. <laughs> yeah, Denmark. Like, it, my head is like Malmö is pretty much Denmark, but it's not. Yeah. Can you guys tell me where the Stockholm legacy report? <laughs> Any other Swede can tell. Anyway, no, no, but I, I really agree with you. And I mean, over what seven, eight rounds, whatever it's going to be, Reanimator is always going to give you at least one or two really good stories to bring back like these epic moments that just happen because you reanimate this weird target in your opponent's graveyard or something. So uh, if nothing else for the content, Black Red Reanimator might also be the better choice here. You get to walk up to Robin in between rounds and go, I was the crow in that meme. Reveal Chancellor. <laughs> turn one I love control. that meme. I love that meme. It's like the best It meme. speaks <laughs> to me. It speaks to me. Yeah, I was thinking that like losing with Reanimator is winning game one and then losing game two and game three. So that at least you're winning game one. <laughs> Even if you have bad run, you're winning game one usually. Always get to make someone nervous. Exactly. So I was uh, running through the Stockholm metagame last episode. It was a bit disorganized. And uh, this time I have organized the data a little bit more. For listeners on our Discord, we posted a, a very short voice clip from our recording and if you're interested in what Robin is talking about, go there. <laughs> well, you know, I had I had written it on on a piece of paper, and it was like uh, just r- randomly decks, uh, not organized in like most played or alphabetically or anything. It was just randomly on a piece of paper, and I was trying to read it out, and like, what is it saying here? And yeah, it was a disaster. But now I have organized it in a spreadsheet, and like the most played deck in the Stockholm Paper Meta is of course Delver deck, but unlike the online meta where Delver is approaching like 25% of the meta. In Stockholm it's 10% of the meta. And then you have Storm and Death and Taxes on 7% each. Jeskai lands Bant on 6% each. Maverick 5% each. And I will run the 4%ers as well. That's Painter, Post, Espervile, Stoneblade and Green White Depths. And perhaps 8 cast is on that list as well as I've been running it. It's Definitely on that list, man. It's, it's higher. Uh, po- possibly higher. So this is like the last 100 decks played in the Stockholm meta oh, right. uh, that I've compiled. So this is uh, like Friday night, no, not Friday night, but Thursday night uh, magic, uh, a bit casual meta, of course. So if you add like the competitiveness from a little bit larger event, I think you can bump up the Delver count to something like 15, 16, 17%. I would suppose. And then, like, when it comes to large magic tournaments, I think that a lot of people like to bring a mid-range deck that they feel secure with. So I, I would also bump up, like, the Jeskai, the Bant, and po- possibly even the Grixis percentage a little bit. I think that's the kind of deck that people like to bring, if they got the cards for it. And then, when we're in Denmark land... Or close to it, there's bound to be death and taxes. Like Denmark is the home of death and taxes. So I think that the death and taxes will be a little bit more prevalent as well. So maybe something like 
12% DNT, I think. DNT had some great showings lately as well. It has. I mean, uh, if I can stop you right there, the lists I looked at sort of uh, before this podcast recently from the weekend is the, uh, the challenge online on the 25th June, the showcase challenge on 26th June, the 142nd KMC with Haruya tournament in, in um, Osaka, I think, and they had 83 players. Uh, and then the uh, Leaving a Legacy Open, which had just over 100 players. And Death and Taxes made a showing a good showing in uh, in Japan and in the US, putting two copies in both of those top eights. And they put one copy in the Legacy Challenge top eight, not in the Showcase Challenge, notably, which was also sort of the only uh, tournament where a four-color control deck made a showing in the top eight, also winning, uh, interestingly, speaking of midrange. So I think you're correct in that the taxes is something that you sort of should plan for or indeed you should play because the Yorian Death and Taxes uh, which of course this list is in all of these instances is a very powerful deck there is no doubt yeah for for me when I think about like American metas I think a lot of Delver yeah, I'm not sure like exactly why but I get a strong Delver vibe from there so when I was tuning into the Leaving a Legacy stream because I was just sitting having a a nice time checking it out. I saw a lot of Death and Taxes on stream and even very proficient uh, Delver pilots such as Roland Shang was playing the Yorion Death and Taxes and even played the Death and Taxes mirror in the top eight, I think. And it's uh, it's just uh, crazy. I think it's a really good pick for what if you're expecting a heavy Delver meta. And most of the times, besides the finals, it really felt like that deck just eats Delver. If yeah. it gets too long, it's really strong against it. Yeah, like like the, the quarterfinals against the third place Delver felt super one-sided. So I was like... I was proclaiming Death and Taxes as the winner of the tournament before like the, the finals was over because I thought it would just stomp it. But that Delver play was really good as well. Yeah, that was a tight, tight finals. But also Merktide too good yes jesus fucking christ (laughs) get that card out of here Uh, also bonus for you christopher painter one in japan Ooh, yeah that is uh that's a music to me and the hopes ears i definitely love painter and i think painter is also pretty okay against uh against uh, delver it's a bit scary due to the meltdown increase of dealing with eight cast but it's not the end of the world for Delver, like it might be for some 8-cast players if it resolves early. And I don't know, I just feel like having, you know, a lot of a lot of Delver decks are putting Pyroblasts in the main to combat Delver or make their mirror better and stuff like that. You're already packing a lot of <laughs> Pyroblasts in the, in the main deck and even when they're bad, they're kind of good. So I think that's... It's really nice. Even if you're playing a, against a non-blue opponent, the moment that, that painter sticks, mm. you just say blue and lean back. Notably also is that the only deck that put a showing in all these top eights is, of course, blue-red Delver. Yeah. Three copies in the top eight in the showcase challenge. That's just insane. But but there are some extremely spicy things that uh, we should just shout out, like uh, Death's Shadow taking down the challenge and also like hammer time the legacy ported version of hammer time yes placing really well and then we actually saw a hogak deck 
in that same top eight from the challenge on 25th. Yeah, that's so pricing. That was a deck that was extremely good at a certain point, according to me. And yeah, I'm just super, super psyched to see this. But one of the biggest joys is, of course, uh, from Living a Legacy, the number six place, uh, the Epic Gamble. I think it was, was it the Tony Scaponi? Yes, yes, indeed it was. was. Gotta love it. I, I just, such, such a joy seeing Tony so innovative so um tight in how he plays the deck and just a beautiful to watch i mean I, I would love to go up against him just to watch him win sort of in in a prime seat <laughs> yeah <laughs> because that deck is uh, amazing I've, I've been really waiting for a deck to fully exploit like the the new storm card the red one what is it called galvanic relay galvanic relay because like it's it's been in the sideboard of the epic storm and it just crushes blue decks, forces them to play Flusterstorm or just get overwhelmed. And the Epic Gamble is, is like the best <laughs> Galvanic Relay deck out there. Yeah, I just, I just think that deck has more dimensions than I first gave credit to. Uh, the first time I saw the list... I thought, okay, this is kind of like a glorified, uh, you know, that seething song, the super sneak attack deck, but with a combo finish. And then I saw what Birgi and stuff actually did to the deck. And I was just amazed by how strong that was. And just having, you know, Lead Echo in a mono red deck to just refuel and like, it's crazy. It's beautiful. And all of those defense grids, like it's a nightmare to play against if you're a blue deck like you mentioned as well galvanic relays defense grid it's beautiful it is beautiful and it looks so nice as well ah it's mm. and that's one sort of one of the things that i expect also i don't have a percentage on it but in the meta for for tier one con we're going to see i predict a sizable amount of beautiful decks that are played by people who are really dedicated to what they do I mean, the, the all foiled out decks, the full Korean decks, the extremely nicely curated old border and the new old border Allurean decks. And the people playing these decks are going to be really good at playing them. They might sort of sit in the sort of X2 bracket anyway because their deck simply doesn't really add up in a Blue Red Delver 8-cast lands power meta. But that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that you are there to to really enjoy your cards. I mean, if I if I play the black red reanimator, ten percent of that choice is that I have beta dark rituals, mm-hmm. and I mean they only they only appear on the board for you know f- fraction of a minute, but that there's no point because they're going to be there in my graveyard and <laughs> sort of just exist, and that's just going to feel amazing. Yeah, it's a win. It's also super cool that uh, there's a lot of international players coming to this event, ranging from Mengu Cuisine to uh, you know, Kai Savatari and stuff like that. So expect some doomsday. <laughs> expect your tournament to go down the doomsday path if you're sitting next to or across Kai. It's an excellent pilot. I would also like to, uh, while we talk about all these lists, to shout out uh, Joseph Dyer and all the other guys who work on the uh, gathering data from MTGO project doing an important work for the community, which takes uh, a lot of time a lot of effort if you listener or yourself an mtgo player uh, consider sort of looking these guys up see how you can help gather data from your tournaments etc because um, i mean they really spend a lot of time doing the work that wizards of the coast really could do with the click of a button and they they really i think 
put out some interesting things. I mean, if you look at the Legacy Showcase Challenge specifically, the data gathering from that one is really interesting and I think really informative of of the direction of the metagame that we're going to face at Tier 1 Con because it has, I think, just over 300 players in it. And Blue Red Delver specifically was 27.6% of the meta. Tempo as an archetype had 30 0.2% in that tournament. And second is Stompy with 17.5%. Midrange control in third with 16.2%. So Delver is almost twice the size in percentage points. Permanent combo is clocks in at just over 9%. 8.5% graveyard decks. Spell combo 6.7%. Vile decks 5.4%. And lands based and fair greens and scenic decks, just over 4%. So quite uh, not so many of those. The point is that this, this data gathering project really shows that while wizards can say, oh, a lot of decks are showing good results in leagues. It's like, sure, but if you take the actual best players <laughs> who really commit and, and put them in a the room, 27.6% are going to bring Blue Red Delver. And I would say, I'm not going to get on the sort of let's ban these cards soapbox, but I would constitute that to be problematic. Very valuable data, for sure. And uh, yeah, big shout outs to Dyer. And, you know, uh, not only gathering all of this data with, with their team, but also freshly updating this week in Legacy, which is one of the the absolute best uh, articles like it's always on point always very analytical and not only numbers it's also having you know spice and particular deck analysis in it which i think is really helpful for veteran players or beginners it's just excellent so a huge shout out and that is all we have for this week We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed recording. We will be back next week to give a report on how Tier 1 Con actually went down for us. Pray for us, please. If you like our podcast and want to support us in a quick and easy manner, you can tell a friend you think should listen to us. Another low-effort contribution that helps a lot is to rate us in whichever podcast application you use. If you want to talk to more with us and get access to the aforementioned bloopers, you can (laughs) join the Discord server. you find a link there in this episode description and in addition to discord you can hit us up on twitter we are at sthlm legacy stockholm legacy we are also present personally on some social media robin where can our listeners find you well you can find me on the discord server and uh, of course this weekend you can find me in uh, malmö denmark where i will be playing Medic, and I will be. Uh, I will of course be present on on Facebook and on Reddit and other social media platforms. I usually go under the name uh, Jackaboo. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at uh, MonolithMTG, or you can find me mentally with you in Tier One Con, sitting there backseating every decision you make. And you can find me at Disco Drogo. And that concludes the 52nd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson, C and Anke, Sofra Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening. The great Frönas has written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Catch you all next week. And if you're off to Tier 1 Con, safe travels and see you there.